Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. I too have enjoyed the good, um, the good singing tonight and special music and testimonies. Got a picture of my wife here with me and my wife and I, Deanna. We've been married for, we're working on 44 years now. And we have uh, 13 grandbabies. Amen. There's a family picture of us. And so uh, we had four children, Joe, Janine, Jake, and Jenna. And then uh, we got all these grandbabies and and uh, I like to hunt, and I like to fish, and so um, I, over the years, taken grandkids with me and different times, and some of them are very avid hunters, you know, and all that, and some are not as much as others, but anyway, we enjoy our time, and I remember one time my grandson, Jag, is about, he's big now, he grew off, he's a huge and uh, probably 6'3", and maybe like 240 or 250. I don't know. He's just a big guy. Uh, you know, Jag, when he was a little boy, he'd pray. And, you know, I, I really thought that maybe Jag might, you know, grow up and be a preacher or something like that. But he's a diesel mechanic, amen. Shows how much I know. But he's doing really good, and he's a really good diesel mechanic. And I'm real, real proud of him and making really good money. And he tithes and gives to missions and, and all of that. And me and Jag was hunting together one time. It's getting late in the afternoon. We're hunting on a clear cut, and uh, we're looking down, you know, the woods and all this. And he's right beside the woods, and and we're just almost getting too late to, you know, it's about time, getting close to time to get down, you know. And so, anyway, about that time, old Jag pat, patted me on the leg, and he said, "Papa, big buck," and a big old buck walked out right underneath him. I couldn't see it; it was on his side, and he was right there by the woods. And this buck, and I just went like this, and I kind of eased up and. I got my gun ready, and that buck walked right in front of me, and I made an incredible seven-yard shot <laughs> with my rifle. <laughs> Amen. And so, and Jag said, Papa, did we get him? Because he was holding his ears, you know. And I said, we smoked him. And uh, anyway, we had fun with that, and I got that one hanging on my wall. Amen. That's a blessing. That was a wall hanger. Me and Jag was hunting again over in St. Joseph, Missouri. We'd never been pheasant hunting. And uh, went over there, was hunting with dogs and had guides and all that, you know. And uh, we were doing a missions conference for Bill Marshall over there. And, and uh, they took the missionaries pheasant hunting. So me and Jag went with them. Jag was 14 now, so a few years had gone by. And, and man, you know, the dogs are pointing these, these pheasant. And we'll walk up and jump them up, you know, and trying to shoot roosters, you know, instead of the hens and all that. And Well, anyway, we both killed several pheasants. And so he's got a pheasant hanging in his bedroom that we mounted, and I've got a pheasant uh, hanging in my living room, amen. And uh, it wouldn't do good for me to kill a really big buck, uh, Brother West, because I'd have him hanging up here in the church, you know, right up there in the front like that. And uh, I, I had problems getting, you know, with pride. Y'all don't have any problems with pride, do you? Uh, anyway, um, but uh, so we were driving back to the motel where we were staying at. It was kind of a lodge thing, really nice. And, and uh, my grandson said, Papa, and I said, yeah. And he said, that's the most fun I ever had in my whole life killing those pheasants and that made me feel really good and I got lots and lots of grandkids stories and all that but right now my baby granddaughter she's a she just turned four and uh, she just Pawpaw's girl she just wants to go everywhere I go and and uh, wants to go home with me after church every service so you know I'm, I'm eating that up you know and and we'll drive back through the woods and, and look at my cows I got the herd I got uh, three head now amen and uh, we'll look at the cows and and anyway, uh, so not long ago, we uh, went to one of my grandson's birthday party. Uh, he's 10 years old, Cooper. 
it's his name. And, and so Olivia wanted to go with Papa. So I said, okay, you know, so man, they had to put her car seat in the back seat of my truck. And so we're driving across town, you know, well, I'm going to get my car, my truck washed. And I did not know, but we got inside the car wash, you know, and Olivia says, Papa. And I said, yeah, she's like, she's not even four years old. She says, I don't like car washes. And I'm saying, Olivia, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, we, we're already in here, you know. And so she's all scared and everything. And, and, um, and I said, it'll be all right, just close your eyes, you know. And then I said, well, look, look down at the end, you know, there's light down there. You're going to be fine. Papa's here with you. And, man, I'm talking to her. Well, man, when those brushes got by her window, she was like screaming bloody murder. And I felt like, oh, man, I've traumatized my little granddaughter. You know, I felt really like a dog. So we got out of the car wash, and, and uh, we turned right on Northwest Avenue there in El Dorado. And I said, Olivia, she, call, she can't say blizzard, so she, Dairy Queen, she calls it a lizard. And I said, Olivia, would you like an M&M lizard? And she said, yes, sir. And so we went down to Dairy Queen, and we got her a little mini M&M lizard. And uh, she was in the back seat with that long red Dairy Queen spoon, and she had it sitting in her little cup holder. And so anyway, uh, we turned right on the avenue, and she said, Papa, I said, what? She said, this is delicious. <laughs> oh, that made me feel good, you know, kind of redeemed myself, amen, from traumatizing her. But I'll tell you, I love, love the kids, love the grandkids. They're lots and lots of fun, amen. And, and my wife will tell me, honey, this one needs pawpaw time. That one needs pawpaw time. And that just means they're getting struggling a little bit, got a little attitude or something. And they just need to spend some time with pawpaw, amen, and a little pawpaw therapy, amen. But anyway, I love serving the Lord. I love my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, amen. What a blessing. And if you have your Bibles there in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 tonight, and most of you would know the story of David and Bathsheba. And uh, David was a man after God's own heart, but on this occasion, David broke God's heart. And, uh, you know, the result of David's uh, breaking God's heart was adultery, it was lying, it was liquor, it was murder, it was a stillborn baby. It's really sad. Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was more noble, inebriated, or, or drunk than David was sober in this situation here in the Bible. But I don't know about you, but, but um, you can get in a lot of trouble when you're not where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. And I would make that a title of some sort. Y'all can help me out back there. Um, not being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, you're going to get in trouble, okay? Something to that effect. And um, man, we're going to pick up on the story, and I'm going to catch some of you up on your Bible reading right now. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse number 1. I know we know the story, but I'm going to read it because the Word of God is powerful. Amen. Verse number 1, 2 Samuel 11, the Bible says, It came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Look at this next little statement here. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Say that with me. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Okay, so in those days the king was the one who led the troops out into battle. And David was a warrior. Okay, he was a great military man, military mind and all that. But he wasn't where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there because he tarried still at Jerusalem. Verse number 2, And it came to pass in an even tide, in an evening tide, David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. 
And from the roof he saw, I've got those two words underlined in my Bible, he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. <clears throat> David sent and inquired after the woman and one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her and she came in unto him and he lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite, this Bathsheba's husband. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was coming to him, he, uh, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But, David, uh, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. And when they to had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and, the, and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab, the servant of my lord, uh, are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go into mine house? to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife uh, as thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, tarry here today also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. And so Uriah, uh, Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and tomorrow and when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him and he made him drunk. So he's trying to get him drunk so he'd go down and sleep with his wife. Trying to, David's trying to cover his tracks. And, uh, and at even... He went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned uh, Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters to the, of, of the war to the king, unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he saying to thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city? When ye did fight, knew ye not that they would shoot from, off, uh, from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he uh, died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou, thy servant Uriah, the Hittite, is dead also. So the messenger went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out unto us into the field. We were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants, and some of the king's servants be dead. And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoured one <coughs> excuse me, as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that her, uh, Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. Verse 27, and when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house. 
and she, came, uh, she became his wife and bare him a son. Now watch this next little statement right here, verse 27. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Wow. And the Lord sent Nathan, chapter 12, verse number 1. Nathan was the man of God, the prophet of God. The Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come, uh, come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse number seven. And Nathan, the old preacher man, pointed his finger. Wow, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore, watch this now, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, watch this now, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, that's a stop, look, and listen word, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbors, unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. Now look at verse number 13. And David said unto Nathan, the man of God, the prophet of God. Now look at these next, next six words here. I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. You know, it's revival time. Are you listening to me? You've got to be vibe. Vibe means life. Re means life again. You've got to be vibe before you can be revived. You've got to be made new before you can be renewed. Are you with me? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, okay? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But we come to revival time now, and it's a time to, 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 to be clean, okay? To get our hearts clean, to get our minds clean. You know, and, and I need this, and you need reviving in the midst of the years. We need God in wrath to remember mercy, okay? And I appreciate that good song the ladies just sang. But wow, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. And I thank God God is merciful. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And you can read the rest of the story and you'll find out that little baby did die. 
And, uh, you know, I want you to think with me for a moment. Uh, and we, this story, we've kind of taken the time to kind of lay the, the whole foundation here. But I want you to think about this. You know, David, the Bible says about David that he was a man after God's own heart. He really was. David loved God, okay? He was a man after God's own heart, okay? And David messed up. He messed up bad. He messed up in a bunch of different ways. You ever had a bad day? You ever make a bad choice? You ever take a bad look at something you shouldn't be looking at? I'm going to tell you something. I've been married almost 44 years. It bothers me, fellas, when my wife and I, when we're not, we're close, I love her, we're close, but it bothers me when, when, when we're crossways with each other. I love my wife a lot. When we're kind of, you know, fussing and fighting, it bothers me in my heart because I love her. I don't like to be sideways with my wife. Well, David loved God. And he was a man after God's own heart and it began to kind of eat his lunch, so to speak. It began to really mess with him and it bothered him because he was out of sorts with God. Are you with me? Now take your Bible and I want you to, and I, I think, you know, I'm sure there, there are, are criminals that, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, not sorry, they're not truly repentant. They're just sorry they got caught. There's people like that. You know what I'm saying? They're not really sorry for what they did. They're just sorry they got caught. Next, they're already kind of conniving and thinking about what they're going to do when they get out of jail or out of prison. Not all of them, but there's a lot of them that way. And I preached a lot of prison revivals. And, um, man, people need help, don't they? We need help. I need help. Now, in Psalms 51, in Psalms 51, David comes to God and, and, and again, <clears throat> After he'd gone in to Bathsheba, and now he's coming back to God, and you know, he said it over there in Samuel, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. But this is like David's prayer. He's coming back to God. He's just, man, it's just, it's just messed him up. You know, he's just not where he needs to be with God. How many of y'all have gotten away at different times in your life, gotten away from the Lord? And it's hard, and it? it's hard to get away from him. And man, you just, you really do. You feel miserable on the inside when you're not where you need to be with God. Now look at verse number 1 of Psalms 51. Let me give you my little outline here. In Psalms 51, verse number 1, David's crying out to God, Have mercy upon me, O God. Have mercy upon me, O God. How many times have I bowed before God just to ask His forgiveness for some wrong I have done? And how many times... Have I heard the Lord say, Child, as long as I have mercy, you're forgiven this day. Mercy, mercy, God's loving mercy that saved both you, you and me. If we had gotten justice, we'd surely be lost. But we found mercy when we knelt at the cross. Man, what a blessing for the mercy of God. That's not getting what we deserve. We all deserve hell. But thank God we ain't getting that. If you're saved by the grace of God, going to get a home in heaven, amen. But David's crying out to God. He's coming back to God. He wants his heart to be right. He wants his heart to be renewed, amen. He wants to get back to where he was before all this went down, before he blew it, before he messed up. Have mercy upon me, O God. Watch this now. According to thy loving kindness. 
according to thy loving kindness. When I think about loving kindness, I think about that little cripple boy down in Lodabar. And listen, hey, is there any left of the house of Saul that I can show favor to him? And they said, well, there's a little cripple boy down there in Lodabar. His name's Mephibosheth. And oh, thank God for the kindness of the king. And you and I was that little cripple boy in that story. And amen. Thank God for the kindness of our God. Amen. That he took us in and he fed us at his table and he loved us. And God's been good to me in my life. Amen. I thank God for his loving kindness because he could have thumped me off into hell and let me pay for my own dirty, rotten sins, but he didn't do that. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. This I know. He gave himself to die for me because he loved me so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he loves redheads. It's a blessing. I'm glad he loves you. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Look what he says here. Blot out my transgressions. God, I'm just tired. I can't take it no more. I've got to get this sin out of my life. Blot out my transgressions. Let me give you a little outline. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, sin will make you dirty. Sin will make you dirty. Say that with me. Sin will make you dirty. Look at verse number two. Wash me throughly. David said, wash me throughly. I was preaching one time and I said thoroughly. And this elderly English teacher, she corrected me, Brother Paul, and she said to me, that's not thoroughly you can thoroughly clean one room but when, uh, of a house, but when you thoroughly clean, that means you clean the whole house. And I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. And there was very good in English. I wasn't very good in math either. I was an outstanding student. I was always outstanding in the hall, amen. <laughs> I loved school. It was the principle of the thing I didn't like. Yeah, amen. I got a lot, a lot of whoopings in school back in my day. My, my elementary school teacher, the principal's name was Burnson. Oh, yeah, he could swing his paddle, too. He, somebody named him right, amen, Burnson. He sure would. He'd burn you, uh, the seat of your britches. They whipped us in the cloakroom, brother, where they hung all the dust mops. Man, I remember that smell to this day, amen, it was bad. I was very familiar with uh, going to the dust mop room. Sin will make you dirty. Look what he said in verse 2, wash me throughly from my iniquity. Wash me throughly. Wash me throughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. You ever wash your hands when you were a little boy and your mama said, let me see the back of your hands. And you had mud on the back of your hands. She said, go wash your hands again. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about right there? Somebody, they're always smelling of you and feeling behind your ears. Did you wash behind your ears? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Hey, listen, I want God to wash me throughly, amen, completely. David's crying out. Why? Because sin will make you dirty. Number two, sin will make you worry. Sin will make you worry. Say that one. Sin will make you worry. Wow. Look at verse number three. For I acknowledge, David said, my transgression. Look what he said here. And my sin, my sin is ever before me. Can you imagine David playing that back in his mind after everything had gone down? And wow, what have I done? I've committed adultery with Uriah's, I've had Uriah killed. I mean, I knew, you know, wow, I got him drunk. I mean, a little illegitimate. I mean, all these things are going, he's playing all this back, y'all. And he's, he, he, you know, wow, he's worrying about it all. He's thinking about it all. Sin will make you worry. Yeah. Number three, sin dishonors the Lord. Sin dishonors the Lord. Look at verse number four. Against thee, David said, <clears throat> against thee, 
Thee only have I sinned. Wow. Sin dishonors the Lord. Yeah, it hurts other people, but it ultimately it dishonors the Lord. Against thee, the only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Watch me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Number one, sin will make you dirty. Number two, sin will make you worry. Number three, sin dishonors the Lord. Number four, sin will depress your heart. Sin will depress your heart. Look at uh, verse number eight. He said, make me to hear joy and gladness. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Wow. I can't even imagine the depression that David was going through. And he's like, Lord, wow. Lord, I, I, make me to hear joy and gladness again, Lord, man. I, I, man. Well, if you ever get back, by the way, sometimes it's further back than you think it is, so it's better to stay close into the Lord and never get away from him. That's the best case scenario. Because there's a lot of people, they get away and then never make it back. And some of you are here tonight, and it's the grace of God that you made it back to the Lord when you got away from him. Same thing with me. Number four, sin will depress your heart. Number five, sin will disease the body. Sin will disease the body. Look at the last part of verse number 8. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Sin will disease the body. Sin will disease the body. Number 6. Excuse me. Sin will defile your spirit. Sin will defile your spirit. Look at verses 9 and 10. Hide thy face from my sins. Notice the S on there. My sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Why? Sin will defile your spirit. Man, I want to have a right spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. It's blessing. Come into the church. Man, people are hugging, shaking hands. And, and you know, you get right with God. And you, man, you get right with each other. And that's revival. Amen. It's a blessing. I love it. Man, I love it. Man, somebody said, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Boy, you get to fussing and fighting on the home front. Man, it can get kind of rough. I don't like that. Are you listening to me? I don't like that. My wife's stubborn and I'm stubborn. That's a mean combination. How many of y'all are like that? You're both stubborn. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so when you have a little spat or whatever, you know, uh, it, it can be a kind of a, you know, like a standoff or something like that, you know. And, man, somebody's got to say, I'm sorry. Amen. Somebody's got to be quick to forgive. Got to be a good forgiver. If you're gonna, and, by the way, I've interviewed, I've talked to a lot of people that have been married a long, long time, 50, 60, even 70 years, and I would ask them, how did you stay together so long? They would say, hey, it, it wasn't that we didn't have problems, but we worked through our problems together. Yeah. Everybody has problems, but man, when you just start trying to bite and devour one another and get bitter at each other, husbands, be not bitter against your wives, and then we start, boy, it, get, it, it gets bad, doesn't it? Man, I don't want to live like that. 
and I want I, I want to sin will defile your spirit. I need to re- renew a right spirit within me. The last one I'll give you tonight is sin will destroy your testimony. Sin will destroy your testimony. Look what he says in verse number 11. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me, look at this now, the joy. I've got that little word joy circled in my Bible. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He didn't say my salvation. He said thy salvation because salvation is of the Lord. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Well, listen, you, you can't lose your salvation. We believe the gift of God's eternal life. How long is eternal? It's forever, everlasting life. It's forever. God's not an Indian giver. If you've been born again, I mean, you'll always be God's child. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy. You can lose your rewards in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. You can lose your testimony. I heard no preacher say one time, five minutes of pleasure is not worth 50 years of ministry. Pretty straight, pretty straightforward stuff there. You can lose the reward of seeing souls saved. Man, I want God to use me. I want my life to count for Jesus. Verse number 13 says, after verse 12, restore to me the joy of thy salvation, upholding with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Oh yeah, it's amazing when you get right with God, you'll start opening your mouth and talking to people about the Lord. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O Lord. Thou will not despise. Now listen to me. I believe that David wasn't sorry that he got caught. I believe that David was sorry for his sins. Sin will make you dirty. Sin will make you worry. Sin dishonors the Lord. Sin will depress your heart. Uh, Sin will disease the body. Sin will defile your spirit. And sin will destroy your testimony. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. and I'm preaching. It's a good illustration. And so I'm telling the story again. Many, many years ago, would have been probably 1981, but most of y'all know that I was going to be a dairy farmer. I had my old milk and muscle there, and my milk and muscle was still in good working order there, amen. I was going to milk cows, and and, I started raising little baby replacement heifers. And and, uh, anyway, uh, I bought some... Black Angus, some stalker calves from my wife's uncle. He had a really good bull and some mediocre cows, but he said the bull's half your herd, so his calves were really good calves because of the bull. And he paid a high-dollar bull and, you know, and all that. Well, I bought uh, a real nice set of, of Black Angus heifers from him, and, and uh, man, they were, I grew them up. I bought them right off their mama, so they probably weighed 350, 400 pounds, and I raised them on up to maybe like 800 pounds. So they're all fat and sassy. And so I'm going totally Holstein heifers, okay? I'm going to milk cows. I've gone to school and learned how to artificially inseminate cows, how to palpate cows, how to pregnancy check cows. And, and so I'm fixing to start milking cows. You know, I've got all these Holstein heifers, okay? 
And uh, when I sold out, I had 92 Holstein heifers. So this was before that. I got rid of my beef cows and just went totally Holstein heifers. Well, anyway, my wife is expecting our oldest son, Joe. So this goes way back. Joe's like 43, 44 years old, you know. So she's like great with child. She's like eight months plus. But we would call her like a springing heifer, okay. I mean, she's getting really close to dominoing, okay, in the cattle business. She's great with child, but my wife grew up driving, riding horses, okay? So my wife's like, a, you know, she's not. She's a, she's a country girl. My wife knows how to cut up a chicken, a whole chicken, and cut it up into the pieces and fried chicken. I, man, I love fried chicken. My wife can fry some chicken. Now, how many of y'all like fried chicken? Amen. I feel a kindred spirit tonight. <laughs> Amen. Well, anyway, so I didn't marry a microwave mama. Amen. I didn't. For a time, I was the fastest growing pastor in Arkansas. Amen. Anyway, uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But so anyway, I'm uh, we're gonna load these heifers up. And you know, we didn't really have like a very good place. We had a lot, and the heifers were up in the lot. Okay, they're up in the lot. And uh, you know, my wife, we got the trailer backed in and we kind of the gate of the trailer. And the idea is just kind of ease them around and you get one of them to jump up in the trailer, and it's like kind of like knocking dominoes over. That was my plan. You know, you get the first one jump up in the trailer and then they just all follow suit, you know, kind of keep them together and hemmed up. Well, it's a cool, crisp fall morning and uh, a little bit of dew on the ground, so it's a little bit slick. I've got my overalls on, my boots on, and everything's going good. My wife's holding the gate. You know, she's not scared of the cows or anything like that, so she's ready to hold the gate. And all she's basically going to do is just hold the gate, you know, and then... When I jump up in there, I'll grab the gate, close them, we got them, we're off to the cow cell. Okay, that was the plan. Well, I'm easing them around, and there's always one heifer. She was, I'm sure she was an independent Baptist heifer. I'm just sure she was. But I saw her, you know, and she just kind of had a mind of her own, and I could just tell that she was fixing to try to mess my plan up because she kind of started, like, trotting, like she's going to break out and mess this whole plan up. You know, you got to load them all together, you know, or you're not going to get them all in at the same time. So I saw her... And I saw she was up to no good, so I kind of started kind of trotting this way to keep her from getting out of the group, you know. Well, I'm not watching where I'm going. I'm watching her to keep her in the group. Well, I wasn't watching where I was going. Cool, crisp fall morning. My boot, my boot hit a cow patty. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard that everything's big in Texas? Okay, this was a big cow patty. I mean, a Texas-sized cow patty. And it was very fresh. You say, how do you know it was fresh? Well, when a cow patty is smoking, <laughs> when it's smoking, it's, that's hot off the press. Okay, trust me. I, trust me, I know. I know firsthand, okay? Now, when my foot hit that, my boot hit that Texas smoking hot cow patty, my foot feet went out from under me and my bottom landed right in the middle. It was brutal, y'all. It was brutal. My wife, ladies, I wanted to kill her. My wife was laughing at me and it wasn't funny from where I was sitting. And of course, she's great with child, but she's been over double. She can't stop laughing. And it's oozing between my legs and my rear end and my undergarments. And you know, it starts like it's liquid, you know, I mean, it's got, it's ammonia nitrate, it's fertilizer, and it starts seeping through my underwear. And I can feel it burning, like sun burning. 
the ammonia nitrate in there. I could feel it sunburning my rear end. It was brutal, y'all. Well, my wife couldn't stop laughing. I was about to throw, throw some cow patty on her because I was getting fired up. I don't always tell that part of it, preacher, but anyway. Uh, so the next scene was we unhooked the trailer. I've got manure all over me, and my wife is driving the truck. We're not going to cow sale that day. We scrapped that plan. I'm riding in the back of the truck. I'm kind of like hiding, hoping nobody sees me back there in the back of the truck because I'm covered in cow manure. Now listen to me, everybody listen to me. I wasn't going to be a happy camper until I got home and I got cleaned up. I got a shower and I got that cow manure off of me. Are you listening to me? Hey, the Bible says this now. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And just by being in the world, sometimes we get the world on us, y'all. Are you listening to me? We get the world on us, and we don't smell good. And just like David, he didn't probably mean for all that to happen, but it happened. And David came back to God, and he said, Have mercy upon me, O God. Man, I want to be clean again, Lord. I want you to renew right. I mean, I want my joy back, Lord. I want to get back to where I used to be with you, Lord. We used to be like this, and, and we ain't like that no more. Lord, I want to get back with you. Have mercy upon me, Lord. Please, 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 Lord, have mercy upon me. Well, I think, you know, if I'm sitting here tonight in the Renew Conference, I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm a church member here at Liberty. I've got a good church, a good preacher and all that. The songwriter said, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is Looking down in love, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. I'm just telling you, all it happens to the best of us. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his ears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Hey, he died for you so that you could be clean. He died for me so that I could be clean. Have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Countest thou all things for Jesus but lost? Is thy heart right with God? I'm asking you tonight. And I'll tell you, sometimes, you know, it's more than just kind of scratching the surface a little bit. Sometimes we have to drop the plow, kind of turn some things over and say, wow, Lord, I've been out here. That's wrong. I've been so wrong. I have sinned against the Lord. And I think the way to get that right is to get your carcass down here to the altar and just come clean with God and say, Lord, I, I don't want to be dirty no more. I, I want you to renew me tonight. I want you to revive me in the midst of the years. Let's bow our heads tonight. Thank you for listening. We'll have a piano player come.
How many of you say, Brother Weedon, well, I, I've needed this revival, just the preaching of the Word of God. Preacher, would you pray for me? I want to be clean. I want to be clean. Slip your hand up, Christians. I just want to be clean. I just want to be clean. I want to be right in the sight of God. Raise your hand right there. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Man, we all ought to be raising our hands. And I want to be clean and right in the sight of God. Lord, bless the invitation now, Lord, and help us. And we'll thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Piano, play softly.